It's Arcand and Kyrie on WEEI. WEEI. Okay, fourth and final hour here. It's Arcan. It's Kyrie. We're going until 6 o'clock. Uh, get your phone calls at 617-779-7937. I wanted to uh, talk about something that happened earlier in the day today on these very airwaves. And you've probably heard about it by now because the uh, news, and I do call it news, has spread. It was something that had been rumored. It was something that had been talked about. Tommy Curran today with uh, Fitzy and Hart basically confirming that the Patriots are very much in on Bill O'Brien and even going so far as to use the words done deal. Folks who are knowledgeable in this that I reached out to in the last couple of days who would have insight, I said, would Bill want Bill O'Brien? Because that question's really not been asked. There's a perception that, hey, it's a done deal, and Bill, of course Bill would want him back. But I asked, and the individual said, absolutely. And they said, I'm surprised if it's not in the works or a done deal already. Not surprised if it's in the works or a done deal already. Bill O'Brien, and I know that we still got this season here, and we still got a game this week and another game after that, and if they win those two games, they're going to the playoffs. But I also feel like it's sort of more germane to the future of the team and really the big picture here to talk about how they fix the problems on this team because we all agree this team's really not going anywhere uh, barring some sort of crazy run, and I just don't think this team has it in them. So looking ahead, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and especially when it comes to this offense and how to fix it because you know this has just been such a tough season to watch uh, from an offensive perspective. Yes. Bill O'Brien, um, first of all, we agree, a major upgrade over what they have, at, yes. the, ver- at the very least. Yes. Uh, what else does Bill O'Brien bring? Well, again, I think it's... <laughs> oh, my God. I just keep going back to it. It's just, just a, a pure baseline competence. And you know what? <laughs> we were talking about Kendrick Bourne, mm-hmm. right? And I'm looking back at his, pat- his just snaps that he's played, right? And, and it's not... Like he has literally never played at all, uh, you know, at points during the year. Well, except for you know, kind of that first week, he only had two snaps total. He had four snaps against Cleveland. So there have been there have been times where he's been mothballed. But the thing that gets me is that the overwhelming, vastly overwhelming percentage of of his snaps are on passing downs. Yeah, and yeah, you, you hear that he's not a great he's not a great run blocker. So you probably don't want him on the field a lot when you're run blocking. But the thing is, you have to put him out there on running plays, because when you don't, you put Kendrick Bourne on the field, like, oh, they're going to pass it, aren't they? Little things like like that predictability, that ability to, or and, and I mean, having Bill O'Brien, a guy who at least in theory would know how to make, you know, plays look like other plays, how yeah. to marry concepts, as we all call it, and not get into this point where, as you're kind of talking about off air, when you when you hand the ball off, you know it's like when you're under center, you're handing the ball off, right? Or you're and in everyone shotgun, knows it. you're in shotgun, you're passing, or you you go in motion. And most of the time, that motion's not at the snap, like you're just not doing you know pre snap motion where a guy is moving when the ball is snapped. All these things that don't challenge a defense, that that don't create conflict. It's like please get me a guy who figures that. Yeah. Um someone who has an understanding about it, who's got some experience in the NFL coaching offense and also not for nothing, but was the offensive coordinator at Max Alma Mater. Now I know they didn't cross over and maybe that's not a great fit. Those two personality wise, who the hell knows? I couldn't tell you cause they didn't, uh, they weren't together uh, in Alabama, but I do know that at the very least <clears throat> he walked into a situation knowing what 
the last guy was probably running and how that all worked and is familiar with those kind of concepts and is familiar with the concepts here in New England too. Um, at the very least, you won't have to be teaching him things. There won't be any points where you, you read about Mac Jones having to teach Bill O'Brien the offense like you've had to read about so many times this year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And I think that that in and of itself, you're right, has a lot of currency just by on its own. Um, I certainly agree with you there. I just I can't help but wonder if maybe they could do better. I can't help but wonder if maybe, you know, another Belichick coaching tree re- retread retread is uh, is what this team really needs to make that next step into the next iteration, whatever that is, of New England Patriots football. Are we just going to keep holding on to Bill and Bill's friends, or are we going to make this into something else? And I know that Bill's still here, so it's kind of awkward, but eventually don't you have to make that decision? Don't you have to go there? Because I don't think O'Brien's going to come here unless he knows he's going to be the next head coach. Of of the Patriots? Of the Patriots, yes. I don't think he's going to come here and just be under Bill's thumb for a year and then go you know, off and, and, and be somewhere else. I think he'll come here if he gets some kind of guarantee or at least some assurance that there's more of a future than just being Bill's offensive guy. See, I think that... I guess that, that that's one that's one way to, that he could get that like another potential job. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if he does well with the Patriots and he resurrects this thing with Mac Jones... I mean, I'm sure just like last time, there will be people interested in his services because that's how it works in the league. And and again, he's he's had success at the college level and at the NFL level as a head coach. He's a he's more of a known commodity. It's not like Josh McDaniels the first time or or Matt Patricia the first time when it's like, oh, Bill gave him glowing recommendations right. and said all these good things about them. How will they perform when they're on their own? Who knows? Or even Gerard Mayo, right? Gerard Mayo, we haven't seen. Uh, you know, fully what he's like when it's just him on the headset and and, and et cetera. But we know what Bill Bryant, what Bill O'Brien is like. And and again, it, there are some you know warts there, especially the way that things ended up in Houston. But he also made the playoffs four times. He did. With, with you know in the end, I mean that's a thing that matters. So I he feel had one like, good season, and a few okay ones, and like two bad ones. I think in the in Houston. Yeah, so, so there were a couple of nine and sevens. There was an eleven for the and five Belichick and coaching and tree. That is that is uh, sterling. I mean, really, like for the Belichick coaching tree, that's incredible. Yeah, because normally they fail and they're back within five years. At right. the same time, to your point though, I do think that if we're being real about it. You probably could do better than this. Like I, again, like people are, yeah. Well, you know, you're you're making Bill O'Brien to be the the, the you know magic bullet who's going to save everything. Right. I don't know that I'm thinking of it that way. I just think that you need competent coaches around your young quarterback, and just generally you kind of need competent offensive coaches. Period. Because offense really matters a lot. Okay. You don't you don't win with just defense anymore. Like not Super Bowls. You you got you got to have something competent on offense going on. And right now, the Patriots don't consistently have that. At the same time, I'm looking at it like, you know, it would be better. But it's not the best it could get. At the same time, I don't know that we're ever going to get the best it can get because Bill Belichick is here and he wants his guys. Right. You know, that's that's the truth. And so long as that's what the ownership is committed to, you're going to be sort of bending to the will of Bill Belichick because I truly believe that if you bring in someone that he's not okay with or if you tell him, hey, you're not the GM anymore, we're going to bring in someone to do personnel, you lose him. And I think that the Crafts have put all their chips in that uh, or all their eggs in that basket at this point, and they can't go back on it. Like, that's sort of what the situation appears to be right now. And I'm not saying that because I think Bill needs to be fired or anything. Like, if that's what they think needs to happen to move on, then I, I guess, you know, you go ahead and do it. He's very close to a big record. That's a record that they can sell. And uh, right now I just sort of feel like the Patriots, as a football team, don't have a whole lot to 
really go on. You know, this team is sort of stuck in neutral. They have a good defense and a lousy offense. They need to fix that offense quickly. And I sort of wonder how long Bill wants to even work on that. Like, what's his what's his end game here? Is he going to keep coaching until he turns it around? Is he going to keep coaching until he breaks the record and then right off into the sunset after that? What exactly is uh, is the plan? We don't know. We don't even know how many years he has left on his contract. It's uh, it's all very mysterious. But I do think that this O'Brien thing may be a clue. Like, if uh, if if Bill sees that the end is is near, Bill Belichick, then a guy like O'Brien he can trust to not fire his kids. Right and uh, sort of keep the keep the Belichick train uh, running yeah. a little bit longer, and maybe the Crafts feel a little bit more comfortable instead of starting completely over and bringing in all these new age coaches. Like that may be something that they don't want to do. Yeah, because they don't maybe don't know how to how to respond to to that, right. and and like how to tr- truly transition into the new era. Because right now, I feel like, and, and this is something that I think is mirrored in our discussions and and, and the fan bases discussions. There's this. The idea that we're clinging to the Patriot way, you know, we were this idea that man, like this is so unlike the team mm-hmm. that I know that I got used to watching for twenty years. This isn't the team you watch for twenty years. Okay, that that team that's gone. The Patriot way is gone. It does not exist. This is an entirely new thing. I do want to say one one more thing for maybe we jump to this call or you know move on to the next thing. I've seen a lot of people suggest that Tom Brady will come back as the offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's not coming back as the offensive coordinator. This guy is a junkie. I get it. But he's going to sit up there and work all those hours for offensive coordinator pay? Come on. Yeah. That's he didn't happening. like being coached by Bill Belichick. You think he's going to want Bill to be his boss? No. <laughs> Paying him out of his no pocket way. or whatever it is that he does to pay the other coaches on the staff. Like, are you insane? You want to do you want to do that on Madden? You want to create uh, you know, a, a coach create on a coordinator. You, yeah, create a coordinator, name him Tom Brady, make yeah. it look just like him. Go ahead and try that. But in real life, that ain't a thing. No, not happening. Uh let's go to Eddie in the car. He has a uh, thought on the Patriots. Go ahead, Eddie. How you doing? Hey guys, how are you? You know, What's it's up? really sad because by being committed to um Belichick and Belichick being committed to his people. Uh, Robert Kraft is committed to being an average team. Um, I have not seen anything in this team since Brady's left that gives me promise that one day we are going to return back to the level of where this team was. And one of the things the Patriots have lost, and they're never going to be able to get back, when Brady was here, there was a lot of players that wanted to come in New England and come to New England and play, and they would play for less money because they knew they had a chance of winning it all here. The Patriots don't get that anymore. Yeah, Eddie, I think that that's – I know what you're saying, and there were some examples of that. Usually it was players who were – you know, sort of older and uh, could kind of pick and choose where they wanted to go. It wasn't often that, like, an elite player in his prime was yeah. ever like, I'm going to take less money and go play for the Patriots. For, like, you four, had for that... four years. And, yeah. And, yeah, it'd be like that. No. Randy Ma, they traded for Randy Ma. They traded for Wes Welker. Like, they, they brought guys in, sure. But the, the guys who took less money to come here were usually, like, the junior sayouts of the world and, and guys like that. Or, like, like Darrell Revis, or was, Revis was, yeah. was on the market you know, or, or whatever, and it's like, okay, go ahead and ring chase for a year and see how that goes. Yeah, and well, and that was a trade too, right? That, I got to look back at that, but it, or no, they signed him. That, that might that might have been. We got to we got to look back at that to, to clarify because I don't right. remember one hundred percent. But with that, I think that some of that has also been like you listen to. Uh, no, play- the Bucks released him. 
but, and then the Patriots yeah. signed them. And they signed them up. And yeah. they signed. They had the contract really quickly. If I yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> ready for that. I he mean, was released, and then like he was released be, at noon, and then at like twelve thirty, they're like, "Hey, we got a contract. Got to be ready to pounce." <laughs> um, and I'm sure that he wanted that too. He's like, "Let me go get this ring." Right. But I think the other thing is when players come here now and they're asked about, oh, yeah, playing for the Patriots and what's it like playing for Bill? It's like Bill Belichick is the draw. and like, oh, my gosh, I want to play for Bill Belichick. It's one of the best to ever do it. I mean, maybe there was some of that back in the day, but I'm pretty sure most people wanted to come player because they had the best quarterback in football and they knew that that was they, they were going to be competing for a Super Bowl every year because they had that guy. Right. They, they weren't coming here just for Bill Belichick. And I feel like here's the thing. You go get a player like that. Go get some star power. Whether you draft it, you find it in free agency, whatever. Go get you some elite talent. Mm. People want to come here again. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that would certainly be the case. And, you know, you sort of look at the the big spending spree from two years ago. None of those guys took less money to come here because they didn't know who the quarterback was even going to be. They came here to play with Cam Newton. You know, that, that was that was the idea at first. And then Mac won the job. But, like, you're talking about guys like uh, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And Henry and Smith were the two top tight ends in the class, so they were you had to overpay to get them. But those wide receivers, like Juju Smith-Schuster was a free agent that year. You know, there were other guys. They're not great, but probably just as good, if not better, than Aguilar and Bourne. And Bill went out right away and said, I want those two guys, and he threw a ton of money at them. And if Tom Brady was here, he wouldn't have had to do that. If Tom Brady was here and Nelson Aguilar would have said, yeah, I'll come play with Brady. Or Kendrick Bourne would have probably said the same thing. Instead, you had to really shell out a lot of money to get those guys. Yeah, and I mean, some of that's just free agency, because that is what it is. You're right. paying free agency. That's how it works. But, I mean, I think some those of that... day wor- one guys, though. Yeah, I know, right? You know? Like, and, yeah. and see, that's the thing. They were shelling out all kind of money, because I think... The money was the market wasn't as good for a lot of these guys because right. it's during COVID and you know salary cap was down a little bit. You know other owners were a little skittish about spending and Bill was like, "Oh yes, we got all this money. Sure, let me go ahead." But I feel like in another year, like you think about about what happened in the year right after that, where you had a like Christian Kurt going out getting eighty four million dollars. You think about some of the contracts that some of those guys would have been getting the following year. Mm. So yeah, they overpaid, but they underpaid you know if it if it would have been a normal year they probably saved yeah you know what i mean probably although i mean christian kirk is having a nice year over there in jacksonville with uh with trevor Mm. lawrence so i mean you know having a guy like i don't know if he'd be good here that's the thing like i I see these i see these wide receivers because there's not the adamses of the world and the hills of the world they'll make any quarterback better but a guy like christian kirk like he's partly good because he's Playing with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I know last year that whole thing was a, was a mess, but you bring in a real coach and a real wide receiver, and hey, what do you know? The first overall pick doesn't look like a total mess anymore. Uh, funny how that works. Meanwhile, over with uh, over with the Jets, they have a good offense. They've drafted well lately, and their quarterback can't figure it out. So uh, there, because there's he, that. Because he was never supposed to be there. Yeah. It's never supposed to happen. Yeah, 617-779-7937. That's your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the offense. We'll get your phone calls in here as well as uh, we continue with our Patriots talk on Sports Radio WEEI. Sports Radio WEEI, Christian Arkin, Kyrie Thompson here until 6 o'clock. Got your phone calls at 617-779-7937. The official Patriots Twitter account uh, has a couple of transactions and one that uh, kind of bummed me out a little bit. Tight end Scotty Washington has been placed on practice squad injured reserve. Patriots have signed defensive back Tay Hayes. Tay Hayes. It's a cool name. To the practice squad. Scotty Washington, though, who you may remember as the... uh 
<laughs> as the first half of the worst impression of the immaculate reception you'll ever see in your life um, when the Patriots had their little alley-oop touchdown hey, there it worked. on 3rd and 29. It, it did work. Um, I saw people say, wow, what a tremendous tribute to Franco Harris. And it was like, yeah, <laughs> eh, was it? Uh, but it did work. And listen, I'll tell you what else. It hit Washington in the hands. Everyone's like, oh, that was such a lucky play. Mac Jones put it on his hands. Uh, Washington's hands didn't catch it or anything, but that's what you want. And uh, he batted it right to Jacoby Myers, who walked it in for the touchdown. And I think that that play uh, is one that's kind of got people on the fence a little bit about how good Mac's second half really was. I got you. They had one really good drive that ended with the Bourne touchdown, and then they had that one, which wasn't a great drive. It was 3rd and 29, and he hucked up a Hail Mary, and they got about as lucky as you can get. Not as lucky as Franco Harris, but close. You know, like, is that that really indicative of some tremendous offensive performance in the second half for Mac Jones? Like, I feel like people have been trying to make that a thing, and it's not really. Yeah, I mean... One really good drive, and then obviously that that play happens after the uh, you know intentional grounding slash right. uh, you know I'm going to go ahead and take out Eli Apple's knees now and you know try to put him on injured reserve that whole thing. Right. Not that he was trying to do that, but still not a great play in my mind. He wasn't not trying to do. That. Yeah, but but okay, so so that happens, and then Mac Jones buy in time, buy in time, mm-hmm. chucks it up down the field, and and honestly, my first thought when that was completed, right, is like, hey, you know, everybody's wondering if Mac Jones can. Can uh, you know throw the ball fifty five yards? It's like he did in cold weather. Right. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but I think look, that that was an example of what we're talking about. At some point, somebody's got to help the quarterback look good, and and chances are that that ball was probably going to hit the ground. I mean, worst case scenario, it gets picked off the rebound or whatever. But uh, you know, hits the guy in the hands, can't catch it. But Jacoby Myers had his head on a swivel. He. Let his instincts take him to the football, and he caught it. Look, in the end, they they made Mac Jones you know look better than he actually was on that play. And you know what? That's fine. That is okay for that to be the scenario. And I think that just generally, even when you take that play out, Mac Jones still played a whole heck of a lot better in the second half, just from a prospect, you know, a process perspective. Some of the throws that he was making, that stuff was real. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, luck is luck. But at the same time, I mean, especially the way this team is going better to be lucky than good true because you ain't good so you better have luck luck goes both ways too remember how that second half started uh mac threw a dime to taekwon thornton and it was right there in his basket and thornton dropped dropped it it. so i mean you know the the luck goes both ways and if he had if he had complete i thought that was so devastating when he dropped that because if mac had completed that pass and thornton had hauled it in and they're on the 13 yard line or wherever it was that he ended up when he when he landed and didn't catch it uh not only does Mac Jones shut up all the Bailey Zappi chants uh, to starting out the half, he also gets you in scoring range. They've been shut out up until that point and could maybe even get the fans back on his side and the crowd back on his side, which he eventually did. But I think coming out of the gate like that with a nice throw, and it was really a nice throw. It was one of his best throws of the year. Yep. And uh, Thornton, who... I mean, I'll be honest with you. If Thornton can't make that play, then what the hell is he doing here? If Thornton can't make that play where he dusts a, a corner and is wide open and gets a perfect pass that's literally uh, on a fly route, that is, his, that is his main modus operandi. And if that's not working, then what's working with him? That, um, yeah. You know, so that's a little upsetting. But really, I thought, uh, you know, he overcame that that drop and he didn't get down on everybody and he didn't, uh, you know, start pointing fingers and everything else. When he points fingers, he points them at the coach. His receivers have let him down a lot this year. 
and you don't see him going after them. So I do think that there's still that kind of camaraderie there with the offense. It just sort of stops right when you when you when you get to the sideline and the coach starts talking. To you. He's gotten and after Taekwon a little bit though. Has this he? Year. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I mean, like there there was a play uh, you know, in the Arizona game where uh, that I can't remember. If it was the really aggressive f bomb, or if it was it was another part, mm-hmm. but he was mad at Taekwon for not turning up field on a pass that uh, you know was completed. You know, it was short of the sticks, but Taekwon had room to potentially pick it up. Right. Um, it was like on his upfield shoulder, and Taekwon steps out of bounds, and Max. Oh yeah, like, right. Dude, come on, man. Yeah. Like what you doing? But yeah, I, I think again, we've talked about the wide receivers. It's not like this is an absolutely abysmal. Wide receiver group. There are definitely worse ones in the league. There's some. There's some decent players here, but I think we've seen by now these last couple of years that just doing it decently is not good enough. You need good. You need elite because having good, okay, fine, whatever receivers was fine when you had Tom Brady because he yeah. was largely going to get the most out of them. But again, that was Tom Brady. Yeah. Later in his career. You weren't asking him to 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 turn a receiving crew like this into all stars in his second year, right? He he had he had guys he had David Givens he had Troy Brown, right? Guys guys that, that were good, and you also ran the ball a lot. It was yeah. also a slightly different era of ball. So look, I feel like there there are cases in which you're probably asking him to do too much that he's not ready for right now, especially. In this system, which makes no sense to most of us, yeah, it's not a it's not a system that's working for the quarterback or the wide receivers or the tight ends. And you don't have to ask me; you can just watch the plays. How many times are these guys running into each other? How many times do you see three receivers at the point of release all in the same spot with all the people defending them all in that same spot too? Like it's really it's really kind of ridiculous. And I'm not you know some guy who breaks down film every day or uh, any day for that matter, but. Anyone can see this on an instant replay on CBS. You can see there's three people all in the same within three yards of each other, and uh, you know none of them have made any, uh, come out of their breaks, and their defenders are all in the same area too. Yeah, it's nothing to throw to. Yeah, and, and you know what? There there were a couple of plays where. So first of all, why do we continue to have third and medium, like mm. third and four, third and six, and then you got guys just running down the field? They're Throwing not fifteen look, yards. They, they are not looking for the ball. It's like it's just way too much time. But then you look at. One ball that Mac Jones threw short of the sticks, and you know Jacoby Myers gets tackled yep. and doesn't convert the third down. That's a play where there's supposed to be a rub route on that play, but they but Myers' guy doesn't get picked, and so Myers catches the ball. He's supposed to be free yep. to get some yards after the catch, and he gets tackled immediately. And people are like mad at Mac Jones because oh, you know, like what are you doing? That's where the ball's supposed to go, but the play's not being executed properly. Right or like there's one later where Kendrick Bourne and Janu Smith are supposed to get a rub and they get stoned mm-hmm. like at the top of their routes. Yeah, neither one of them is open, and so Mac Jones now has to look back to the other side and be like, "Why didn't you see Jacoby Myers on the on the whip route on the back side? That that wasn't the first read. The first read was that side. And he tries to look back and tries to throw it, and he's getting killed because Cole Strange missed a stunt. Yes, which happened a lot in that game. And I understand that rub routes you're supposed to be close to the other guy. Like I know what a rub route is. Like it's not that. Uh, and I saw people saying that on Twitter too. You have to. And I know you. I know what you're talking about too. If this is if this is something that only happened once or twice. Like Wes Welker and you know guys used to run into each other. Like that happens, you know, on rub routes over the middle. Like that sort of thing happens. The 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 spacing on these route the the what Max looking at in his throw windows, 
I just I can't imagine that it's anything close to what he was used to at Alabama or even last year. No, it's been like this all year yeah. because I made notes about it in training camp where I'm watching them do the, these these trip sets where they're they're all trying to run um, you know kind of off of each other again try to try to rub or what have you but you right. guys like bumping into each other and looking around like wait a second why like in the middle of the play like wait why are you running that route and and Mac Jones is all the while just like okay I'm running now you know it, it's been it's been like this all year it hasn't gotten better that that's the thing right there is no hope that this offense is going to magically get things figured out and that all of a sudden with two games left to play they're going to click in a way they haven't clicked all year it's sort of become a cliche but it's really true the same problems that this team had in the preseason are still very much Every keeping game. them down now. Every single game. Almost, yeah. I mean, really, like, the, the offenses look good, I think, even serviceable in maybe two, three games. Uh, Minnesota, Baltimore, and I don't know, I, I'm trying to struggle to think. Second like half of the, the Bengals, like, maybe. Well, one of the Zappy games. Or one of the Zappy games, sure, with Mac. I mean, it was. Uh, it's only really been two games where he's looked like a functional NFL quarterback this year. And we know that he can do that. We know that he wasn't, it, it was never any point last year where we thought, wow, this guy is Patrick Mahomes. But you thought that he would take a step in that direction this season. And, I mean, the way that he's been failed is uh, is, is really, yes. it's hard to quantify. But I also don't think he's really done himself that many favors either. No. I think that, uh, you know, all in all, he's, uh, he's, he's trying to make his way through the NFL. But the, the, the stuff with the coaches and sort of everything else for a second-year player, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people really bend over backwards to defend him. And at some point, you have to point the mirror at him, too. Yes. I mean, look. You look at somebody who came from that draft class as well right? in Justin Fields, who started off really rough this year, and it really felt like a situation where the Bears were setting him up almost to fail, mm. where it's like, hey, guess what? Like, if... If you if you you know fail, oh whatever, we're gonna get a high pick next year. They got the number two pick in the draft. They easily could have just drafted a quarterback and just and just had done with it. Or, or it's like you know what? If you succeed, then great, you overcame hell, and and we know you're the guy. And what happened is that midway through the season, I mean, even a little bit before that, he started showing signs that he was that dude. Yeah, and he started to he had the raw talent to overcome what is really a terrible roster. Mm. That is a really horrible team and at times not a well-coached one either. But Justin Fields just kind of does what he does sometimes and he makes plays. Yeah, Mac Jones, look, I, I think that it was always too much for even in training camp. And I feel like people were clinging so much to this idea that we are going to try to, you know, we got Tom Brady 2.0. And I always disliked that characterization of Mac Jones. But to to have that idea that we got you know the, the next Tom Brady and oh my goodness look at the way he sees the game compared to Cam Newton and then he comes in he has the rookie season he had I mean I think it's too harsh to be like he didn't really do anything special usually rookies are bad yeah this rookie was good mm -hmm. but yeah he wasn't amazing at the same time it's it's like you could say that he's nothing special in terms of like he's not Patrick Mahomes he doesn't have that kind of arm he doesn't have that kind of talent. And yet see that he is a functional NFL quarterback. He's a starting caliber NFL quarterback when you do right by the guy. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly agree with you there. Um, Matt Patricia spoke with the media today. And in typical Matt Patricia fashion, they asked him pretty simple questions. And he just droned on and on for a really long time. I'm looking at a transcript <laughs> right now. There's like four paragraphs here to what went wrong on the first two third downs. Is this the one you have here? Uh 
Is this is this what we have, Turpin? Do we want the long version or we can go a thirty-seven second version? Give me the long. Give, give me the long okay. version. Okay. I want to hear okay. Patricia in all of his Patricia. This is uh, what went wrong on the first two failed third downs. And get ready to stop it because I'm probably going to have some comments here. This one's on the late. This is on the third down. Uh, the miscommunications on third down late in the season. That's oh, late in the season. Okay, yes, sorry. Yes, I thought one, it was about the other thing. Okay, it is, go ahead. It is still lengthy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a great, um, great point, I think. Um, time out. You know, time out. Time out. How many cigarettes did he smoke before doing this? Yeah, interview? does he have, like, emphysema or something? Should we not make fun of him? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened he to him. He does not sound like that. He doesn't sound uh, like he's long for this earth. <laughs> what he doesn't he sound does not like. sound like that. Now I feel bad. I heard that he lost his voice, but he sounds like he's really struggling here. Uh, let's hear a little bit more of uh, Marge Scott, a.k.a. Matt Patricia. The first third down, uh, we usually go in on third downs. We have, you know, typically um, maybe a couple different options on the place, you know, depending on the coverage that we're going to see. And since he have, um, they have a couple different packages that they run, both versus a nickel defense. I can't listen to this. Defense. I'm sorry. I thought this would be funny. I can't. This is like sad. I can't do this. He knows he's losing his job. You know what I mean? Like I feel bad now. And I, you know what? And in some weird way, I do feel bad for Matt Patricia. I know that we all give him a hard time, and I know that he was a real a hole in Detroit, and he told those reporters, "Hey, sit up straight" and all that crap. And listen, I mean, maybe he's not the easiest guy in the world to deal with. I know a lot of ex Lions players. Uh, he sort of rubbed them the wrong way too. But I do feel on some level bad that he was thrust into this position, sort of like Mac Joe, without really any any indication or any expectation that he was going to be good at it. Like, you know, like that's that's not cool. Like, it's, he's not a he may be a pain in the ass as a guy and he may not be the greatest coach in the world. But like you've seen him succeed doing some things. And now you're going to make him the offensive coordinator with a second-year guy and not give him the title, have him calling plays he's never done before. Like, it just seems like you set him up to fail, too, just to save yeah. money or to keep it in the house or I don't know. But, like, that, I, in some way, you got to feel kind of bad for Matt Patricia. I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, I've heard Andy Hart say on a number of occasions that Matt Patricia's at fault for saying yes. Mm. It's like, you should have just said no. And there's a part of me that's like, who... I don't know how many people would just be like, no, I'm not going to call plays or, or whatever. Like, right. I think I think I can do it. So there, there's a part of me that's like, I don't know how much I fault him for for being like, hey, I'll give this a try. Like, you know, I think I could do it. I've called defensive plays before. You know, let, let's see what we can do. Um, I mean, clearly you shouldn't. I mean, clearly you shouldn't be in this position. But again, you, you bring it back. Why was he asked to do this in the first place? Why even why even go into this thinking that that was okay? If you wanted to have a guy potentially call plays, why like okay, not that this would be a whole lot better, but you know, you could at least say, "Oh, Joe Judge was a quarterback once." Sure. You could at, at least have coach. that. The crappy one, but right? Yeah, he was a wide receiver coach too, right? Yeah, so I, I don't know. I just feel like it's hard for me to be that mad at Matt Patricia for saying yes. At the same time, it's like, well, I mean, I can still not feel that great about the fact that he is, uh, you know, not just not making great decisions, you know, in terms of the actual play calls and play design, which he, again, doesn't have experience with. But again, the Kendrick Bourne thing. Yeah. Okay? Because, I mean, again, I feel like that stinks of stuff he did in Detroit and did in his first tenure with the Patriots. And that's not about him not understanding offense and how to call offense. That's that's him. That's a personal problem with a player that you didn't have to have. You know, like that's a beef that you're cultivating. Yeah, that, that's an ego thing. And yeah. you're trying to send a message. And it's like, you know what message I want to send? That I put the best players on the field when it's time to put the best players on the field. That's the message you should be sending. Yeah. 
I uh, I agree with you 100%. 617-779-7937. That's your phone number. Uh, we got one more segment to go. We got last call coming your way as oh well. Oh, my goodness. As uh, there is a certain Boston Celtic who is off the market. Sorry, ladies. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, he's, he's been uh, made an honest man, and he had a little help from a guy who had a very interesting uh, 2022. We'll get into all of that next. Sports Radio, WEEI, Christian Arkin, Kyrie Thompson here for a few more minutes. Before we get to last call, it's a little bit of NFL news today. Indeed. J.J. Watt has announced that this will be his final season in the NFL. J.J. Watt, who the Patriots just saw a couple weeks ago, um, is uh, tweeted out. Uh, his daughter, I believe, is Koa. My yep. Koa's first ever NFL game, my last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. He tweeted along with a picture of him holding his son, sorry, his son, Koa, and standing next to his wife, Kialia, at Sunday night's game between the Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. J.J. Watt, 12-year career, two games left, both on the road, Atlanta and San Francisco. Um, First ballot Hall of Famer, I would have to think. Immediately. And uh, one of three players to ever be a three-time defensive player of the year, along with Aaron Donald and Lawrence Taylor, which is a very nice company to be in right there. Um, J.J. Watt has a chance to pass people on the all-time sack list. He stands right now outside the top 20. He's not getting in the top 20, I don't think, unless he has a wild couple of last two games here. But uh, right now he's at 111.5 sacks. That's in between Justin Houston and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones actually has one more half a sack than J.J. Watt in his career. Uh, Cameron Jordan right there at 112.5. Then you got your Sean Jones, Clyde Simmons, Simeon Rice at 122. Um, He'd have to get a lot to get up there. But uh, J.J. Watt, a tremendous career. Um, Especially uh, for an interior. I mean, he played kind of everywhere. Yeah. But a guy who did a lot of damage on the interior, especially. His 2013, 24, those years in uh, middle years in Houston were as good as I've ever seen any football player, let alone offense, defense, whatever. Like, J.J. Watt was... You remember he was wearing like a knee brace on his arm. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> Absolute. Yeah, it, it, it's it's like Gronks. Like like yeah. just like you're you've got a bionic arm basically. Yeah, he was unbelievable. So I mean, really, like really unbelievable. So okay, you know, you, you mentioned the sack numbers, mm-hmm. and the sacks aren't always the the complete story with Watt because of how much attention he would get. Right. And, and I mean, even later in his career, you know, his health was part of it and, and such. But he commanded so much attention double teams all over the place and, and ways to kind of neutralize the guy. But check this out, man. His <laughs> 2012, he had 20 and a half sacks, 10 and a half sacks in 2013, 20 and a half sacks again in 2014, <clears throat> 17 and a half sacks in, 20, in, in 2015. So in those years combined, what, what what is that? That's 41 and that was that 68 uh, that it wasn't counting yeah, along with you. Yeah, I think, that's I think that's, probably I think around that is, there. Yeah, I think that's sixty-eight sacks that's in ridiculous. four years. That's ridiculous. Holy crap! <laughs> and then and then you throw in monster the the, the twenty fourteen year. I think that was where he finished second in MVP voting. Where they were just like, let's just throw the ball. Let's throw the ball to that guy on the goal line. He had five touchdowns that year. That's wild. He had five. T- I remember like one of them. He had five touchdowns. Yeah, he had five wow. receiving touchdowns that year. I think. I had to check that out. But That's man, crazy. He was out there all just balling out of, out of control. And I remember 
TJ Watt earlier this season was being asked about, oh, yeah, like who's better right now? Like how do you compare to your brother? And uh, TJ was like, yeah, I can't even talk about myself in that in that light right now because he was just ridiculous back then. He was just on some other stuff. Yeah. It's like, um, it's, it's like you know how sibling rivalries get, but when your brother's just like, yeah, no, I can't even. Let's not even talk about that. I'm not on that level. That's how you know. Yeah, and we're not talking about, like, Rob Gronkowski and then a bunch of other Gronkowskis who, like, were fullbacks for a year and then, you know, didn't do anything else. We're talking about J.J. and T.J. Watt, who were both tremendous players. But, yeah, T.J.'s right. I mean, there's uh, Lawrence Taylor and Donald, I think, are really the only other guys I can I can remember that I'd even put. Ray Lewis, maybe? Uh, just defensive player, not even lineman, but, like, defensive players in general. Those years of Ray Lewis in the, in the 2000s when he was so dominant, um, you know, maybe Patrick Willis for a couple of years. There's yeah. not really too many other names that I even put there. And Willis, you can't even – because he retired so early. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, Why, I, I 12 gave, years, it's a long career. So, so I gave, I gave uh, J.J. too many receiving touchdowns. So he had five total touchdowns that year um, okay. in, in 2014. So two of them were defensive touchdowns. And oh wait, we had yeah, a fumble touchdown and an interception touchdown and three receiving touchdowns. Mm. Which again, still as a you know yeah defensive lineman extraordinaire. Oh yeah, let's put this guy on the field, make him eligible, and throw him the ball. Call all three of his targets too. Yeah, might as well. Um, all right, let's get the last call. There we go. There's last call um, for last call today. We have a very special moment in the live of a very uh, special Boston Celtic. I'm talking, of course, about Marcus Smart, who is uh, an honest man now after proposing to his girlfriend, and he had a little help from Will Smith. They were in, uh, it looked like, the video I saw, it looked like they were in like a home theater room, and uh, there's Will Smith up on the screen, and Will Smith said this. No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. That would have been funny, though. Uh, Will Smith, uh, I don't know if it was like a cameo or if him and Marcus Smart are friends or what exactly, but uh, he uh, he went on the video, and while this was all happening, Marcus knelt uh, behind her, and let's take a listen. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not how it went. That's kind of a wild move, using Will Smith in your proposal after the year that Will's had. Seriously. You know what I mean? Like, that's like... It's like, not like using Kanye. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, not, that it's not that bad. It's got to be like a legacy move. Like, hey, you know, Will Smith, Will Smith's cool, right? You know, except for that one time where he like kind of slapped, you know, Chris slapped Rock. Him, uh, slapped him pretty hard. Um, the, uh, the video, it shows Will Smith. He's like out on a hike. It looks like he's on like Mount Everest or something. He's I thought got, it was Blue Hills. Oh, he's on the Blue Hill. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Maybe. You know what? I, I can see the Blue Hill from my back, from my back porch. There's snow up there. Really? There's snow up there, well, and they, it is not. Skiing. Well, so it's probably artificial snow. It's definitely artificial snow. There's a bunch of snow over at Wachusett too. I don't. I didn't see it snow. Did you? It's no, rained a little bit. That's about it. Uh, but yeah, Marcus Smart with a little help from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air himself. Uh, Will Smith is uh, is uh, going to be eventually a married man. Do you have the actual video? Yeah. This Do we is have it? it? Out your fucking mouth! I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. That was the funniest part of that whole thing. Obviously, him getting slapped was funny. But when he said it the second time, and he goes, I'm going to. <laughs> like, okay, you've made your point. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do whatever you want because I don't want that to happen so, again. You've been browbeating that hard. <laughs> like, you're just like, okay, okay, God. Was that the biggest moment of 2022? Was that is that what this year is going to be remembered for? Because, you know, this week is when everybody comes out with their list of everything that happened in 2022. Yeah. That's going to be number one on every list. It right? has to be, right? Literally everyone saw that. 
I know other things have happened, right? Like, <laughs> other things have happened. There was a midterm election and all this other stuff. But all anyone's going to be talking about 2022 is Will Smith slapping. Or Bugsy. Or okay, Bugsy the Don. The, yeah. Yo, this ring box is gigantic. Yeah. It's huge. Oh yeah, right. That he that he shows her. Yeah, yeah. You know the the whole thing where we're actually talking about a proposal right here. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. No market. It is it, it's pretty smooth, but it's also like it glows weirdly because of the lighting. It looks like a championship theater. ring, kind of. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> like and the just, same like, box those come. In. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the box is like a shoe box, man. Yeah. Uh, must be nice. Anyway, congratulations to Marcus Smart and the future Mrs. Marcus Smart. Um, and, of course, congratulations to Will Smith for being such an integral part of it. I know he kept playing that clip, but Will Smith really was part of the engagement. He really was. He yes. really was. He's really in the video, I, and he's... I don't know what he's even talking about I don't know what video. he's talking about. Can we play a little bit of the video? I don't have the video. I, th- I just I was had hoping that. you were going to play that other thing again. Oh, my bad. I was setting a, you up there. Bad. Setting you up there, Turpin. Anyway. Uh, just had to get all the jokes off. I know. I we mean, had to. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's about all the time we have here uh, on the program. Um, we had a lot of guests today. We had the Razor, Raycroft, uh, for our Bruins break. We talked to Ross Tucker. We talked to him back-to-back today. Uh, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, uh, we that, have a lot more the rest look, of the week for you look, as well. Look at the look at those first half adjustments we made. I know. Look at that. I know. On the fly. We really did. Um, you know, the guest schedule is going to stay the same the rest of the week. We'll be talking with Scal tomorrow. We'll be talking with Dan Orlovsky tomorrow. I'd love to uh, hear his defense of Mac Jones. You know what? I bet he's going to be the only media member in America. That defends Mac Jones's hit on Eli Apple because he defends Mac Jones on everything. Let's yeah. see. You want to take? You want to uh, make book on whether or not Orlovsky defends Mac Jones tomorrow? I got. I got. I know gambling's not legal in Massachusetts yet, but I have five bucks. Says he does. <laughs> I have five dollars. <laughs> says that he's going to. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll find out for real uh, tomorrow. All right, that's all the time we have. We'll talk to you tomorrow at two o'clock. Goodbye. My wife's name. Out your f- mouth! I'm going to, okay?